Blog Talk Radio. Introducing in the red corner, American Tennis! And introducing in the blue corner, your host for American Tennis, Mr. Chuck Reese! Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, another week of American Tennis. And, folks, I have to apologize about last week. Dang it, I dropped the ball again and didn't get a program done, and I apologize. We are done now with the season, and uh, just too many moving parts last week with the NCAAs and the travel. And, actually, I, I got to tell you the truth, I – I sort of played hooky and went fishing with my son up in Tennessee and had a great time, and there was no computer around. And You don't want to hear 38 excuses, do you? Uh, basically, uh, excuses are sort of like, I'm not going to go there with that one. But uh, anyhow, you don't want to hear excuses. That's one thing that where I work at the Citadel, it's a fantastic place. They always say, figure it out, get it done. You know, you know the excuses that pop up are many and far between. But you cannot, you can never help what happens to you. You can only help how you react what happens to you. So figure it out, get it done. I've got a big sign on my wall right now. I'm looking at no excuses, no matter how good they may be, because at the very best they keep you from looking for a solution. And uh, so. Anyhow, a little philosophy here before we get into our program, but this is American Tennis. Folks, we're in our fifth year now, if you can believe it. I'm very lucky to have with me today uh, in our makeshift studio here, Coach Frank Salazar, who was on my very, very first show five years ago, five years ago June, and actually it'll be five years ago in about another month, and um, I'll get into his credentials here, but this is American tennis and um, I'm Chuck Creasy and uh, folks you can go to my website at chuckcreasy.net k-r-i-e-s-e dot net and uh, see every program we've had just click on American Tennis Radio and you can get all the programs also go to, go to UR Tennis Network and uh, you can get the programs for each week also Coach John Denise's um, uh, tennis program that where he has some of the top uh, coaches in America uh, four four times a month and pretty good show. Thank you, J.P. Weber, for picking up the UR Tennis Network. It is now referred to as the Yellow Ball Network, and J.P. Weber has promised that he will get his program up and running again. So that's about it for now. I do want to get in and get right to our guest because we've got a great topic uh, this morning, uh, this is Coach Frank Salazar. Now I'm going to pump a little sunshine. I don't think I've ever coached a tougher individual uh, as far as mental toughness. Uh, golly, uh, you know I require all the players that I ever coached at Clemson to run a 5:15 mile. Uh, I require all the players I coach now to run a 5:25 mile. It's not quite as demanding and 
People even tell me that's too tough for tennis players. This man holds the record of everybody I've coached uh, ran, running a 424 mile for a uh, tennis player. That's pretty pretty darn good. But um, the, here's here's the thing, Coach uh, Coach Frank. Call him now, Coach Frank, because he was off and running with a great uh, career in tennis, number one in the world. When I think Frank, when you were 14, I guess you went to Orange Bowl, and then 16, you're always top, always top 10 in the country, and you were um, that your peers at that time were Jim Courier, Michael Chang, some some of the guys who were your peers when you were number one in the world. Frank, who were some of the others, real quick? Uh, it was uh, Tommy Ho, uh, Chang, Jared Palmer. Um, you know, overlapped with with Jonathan Stark. A lot of great players. Yeah, that, that was really a golden era. All those guys came up pretty good. Frank uh, blew out his arm, and I remember at that time saying, "Listen, you're going to impact many, many more lives through your coaching than you ever did through your playing, or could have through your playing." And uh, you sure have done that. Uh, five top ten players in the world in the junior ranks. Of course, the players who we know out there now that you're familiar with, folks, is, um, you know, we could talk about Tracy Capra um, making third-round U.S. Open and making her splash a few years back, but you coached her from the time she was eight. Dennis Kudla, Dennis Kudla, of course, uh, I don't know, Dennis in and out of the top 100, but uh, coached him since he was eight years old, and, and some others more notable now is Francis Tiafo, and then who's out there in the pros. And you're actually here in Charleston traveling with young, uh, young professional lady uh, Usaway Arcanada, and Usaway and her brother. Her brother, she's turned pro already. Her brother actually goes to Texas A&M. Is quite a good player. He coached both of those, the five top ten players. And I, I want to start out by saying Usaway won Wimbledon this year, the Wimbledon Juniors, Wimbledon Juniors. And uh, could you walk us through that just a little bit about her journey and just about Wimbledon just so people get a sort of a feel for what it's like to win Wimbledon <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, the stress, the pressure, how she survived the tough matches. And those things, a lot of it was just my. I mean, how good was that? It was, it was, it was awesome. Um, you know that the preparation leading up to it was. You know, we went there about four or five days early and played on the grass. Um, I always felt, you know, in the past when I've gone with players, you know, and you go there too early. By the time Wimbledon starts, you're actually playing worse the more time you spend on the grass. And so. Um, Changed it up a little bit and went there and played um, about four or five days early, practiced on the grass, prepped, and then, uh, you know, got into a routine, uh, stayed stayed uh, walking distance to uh, the grounds, and pretty much just pretty much just got into a routine by, you know, keeping the thoughts simple, keeping the, the thoughts the same, warm-up routines, uh, cool-downs, um, eating habits and just got to where she was just kind of in in uh, instinctive mode um, you know never made each never made the match too big uh, kept it really simple um, you know and then you know she had her downtime and the downtime was you know um, where she would relax and 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 uh, you know do a little bit of socializing. It wasn't so straightforward and cutthroat. And, uh, you know, and then when the finals came, you know, it's it was another match and did the same routine all the way through, and she felt really comfortable. And uh, and the biggest, <clears throat> the biggest uh, joy for her was, you know, she got to go to the ball. You know, when you win Wimbledon, you get to go to the ball with uh, Annie Murray and Serena. So they were the two champions, I right? Think, yeah. So, yeah. I, 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 let, me, let me jump in there real quick. You said something that's very interesting. You said that with with uh, her 
getting there too soon, you were afraid she would be stale before she played, or I felt because in the past, you know, you'd played lead-up tournaments uh, on the grass, and and I just felt being over there for that long and being on the grass and 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 you know, I just she didn't respond well in the previous years. Um, you know, by the time Wimbledon came around, you know, she was actually was playing worse. So this time changed it up and had her, you know, go four or five days early and just practice on the grass, got a couple of hitters, and uh, and then kept it a little bit more light and her spirits up, focused a lot on her serve, focused a lot on her returns. So, so Frank, real quick, the people out there listening, parents or coaches are wondering – all right, so you go to a big event, and I know for a fact there were times where I over-sharpened the knife. In other words, I got there too soon, mm-hmm. and a person sort of reaches a peak where they're ready to go. The horses are at the gate. If you have too little or too much, sort of explain that. I said, usually, if you just go to a tournament two days ahead, maybe three is too much, four days too much, and a Wimbledon, that's a big adjustment because of all the graphs and stuff like that. Right. But, but explain the readiness to play, oh, how soon should you get there uh, at a big event versus sometimes you can't help it? Well, in in, ter- in in Wimbledon, we basically didn't play the lead-up tournaments. So, you know, we changed the schedule a little bit. Um, you know, first time around, you know, it's like you, you learn through your mistakes. And uh, the first time around, you know, like I said, we played the lead-up tournaments and, and she ended up not having good results and not playing as well by the time Wimbledon came. So changing the, the the schedule a little bit allowed her to feel like something was was different and then also allowed her to keep her mind in the moment uh, for a longer period of time and not letting herself get stale. Um, you know, uh, some tournaments you play the lead-up tournament and then you just keep playing, and, and, and so, you know, that's a totally different way to approach, but, you know, with with the tournaments that, you know, that, that you come to, uh, you know, like the junior events that are that are the nationals or or um, your big sectional events, the, the you know, getting there a couple days early uh, is always a good plan just so you can get used to the conditions, uh, you know. Time zones, the time zones, eating sometimes. Yeah, your just sleeping patterns. Sleeping patterns, all those things. Yeah, so. you know, there's, there's a... Um, you know the 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 players. You know they, they. You know the higher level you go as a player, the more important it is to pay attention to the details. Um, you know, and and the de- details go as far as as the tension in your rackets. Um, you know, you you can play uh, uh, as an example. You can play a, a, a tournament and it's 85 and, and, and high sky and sunny and the court's quick and then you play on the clay and it, and it's, or the grass and it's a little heavy and the, and you know, so you gotta, you gotta pay attention to details. Um, you know, so you gotta give yourself some time, but a couple of days is, is, is enough time to, but to do that. I always, I always used to like three hits, three hits at the site if we're going with the team, but now, if you're traveling overseas and things, of course, it's it's quite different. The other thing is, it's important that I find that helps the players when they go to tournaments is to have have uh, shorter practices. Uh, you know, the first hit you can get in and feel the court a little bit and do do your you know up the middle and your cross courts and do a couple movement drills, a lot of serves, a lot of returns. You know, about 45 minutes to an hour. And then take a break and go back again for about 45 minutes to an hour and play some points. And then, and then at the end of every day, it's it's uh, it's important to work on a few things, um, you know, that you're going to have to do well for that tournament based on the situations you've been given and the surfaces you're playing on. Yeah. Um, and then lastly is the uh, uh, <clears throat> the, con- the the conditions. You know, and and when you play, you have to you have to pay attention, uh, you know, to also to your scheduling and your warm ups and so forth. Uh, it's that's really interesting. Would would this be a good analogy? Uh, it's like sharpening a Boy Scout knife or a knife. 
if you over sharpen it, it gets dull. If you don't sharpen it, it's not sharp. You get it's a timing, and each player is a little different too, aren't they? Right, right. Yeah, every player. You have certain players that are pretty high strung, and you have pretty certain players that uh, are pretty relaxed just by by their makeup. So you have to understand how to, you know, when you when you go to tournaments at 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 that level, whether it be the pro level or the highest junior level, um, your role, you know, getting there is is coaching and 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 getting them ready to to go and compete. During the competition, it's about managing their emotions and about managing the situation and about managing their their level of play. So it's a totally different uh, approach versus what you do at home on the practice courts. Yeah, it just that's very valuable thing, uh, things you're pointing out here, Frank. First, look, I, I'd like to lead into the next question. You've coached a lot of top ten players. I mean, it's I, I don't know if there's anybody east of the Mississippi for sure that's had five top ten players. Uh, I, I don't think so. I really don't. I don't know many in the whole United States. Uh, definitely uh, you are one of the I'd say top five or top eight coaches right now in the United States with, with your results and results to prove it. And so I want to ask you this. What's different about coaching these players? What do they have that's the X factor? What do they have that's different than the normal kids? Now, I, I know you started out with Usaway back when she was very young. And, you know, with Dennis and, and uh, Francis and Mitchell Frank and Junior or, and all these kids, you started them young. Why were they different than some of the other kids? I mean, they were around a bunch of other kids. What what what, what was special about them and, and uh, what is the last 10% there, player? What do they have? Well, I, <clears throat> first of all, uh, you know, they all have – uh, you know, they were groomed in a way where they had to, you know, know the work that they had to do um, to get where they wanted, and 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 the, the 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 plan was never too big or 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 not reachable. Um, always set up uh, steps and stages of achieving uh, when they were younger and. And then, you know, so when they got to a bigger prize, they felt like they've taken the steps. So I think the Just confidence. Just your mind on the next step. Right. Always. Not always. getting too far ahead. And and then teaching them how to, to have the stomach to travel and then have them have the stomach to lose. You have to be able to, to uh, get up the next day and go train and get up uh, the next day and go to the next tournament. And and then the last is they all had uh, when they would when they lost they never lost confidence in themselves. That was that was a, a big uh, uh, area that I stressed was a loss in tennis is never you never lose confidence in yourself as a player. Um, you know, the loss can sting and it can hurt, but, you know, you have to be able to have the stomach to travel and the stomach to lose because tennis is a sport where you're playing every week, week in and week out, and there's only one winner. So, you know, you could get to the quarters one week, first round the next week, finals the next week, and play 25 tournaments and, and only win one or two or none in a year. So, is, is there a difference maker though with the players who you talk about having the stomach to tra- travel, the stomach to lose? Is there a difference? Uh, once I heard Matsvielander talk about the quality of the pain from losing is more important than the quality, uh, the the quantity. The quality of the pain is more important than the quantity of the pain. But right. is there a difference between those kids who some kids win, they go up, they lose, they come down. They win, they win, they lose, they lose. They're back to start. I mean, 
is it a temperament thing or is it something no. that they learn or no it's it's a it's a it's a learned skill and so because once you get to a certain level of where you're competing at you've worked so hard to get to that level whatever level it is and you want to stay at that level and to to stay at that level you have to you have to be able to take your licks and move on pretty quickly and then it, and then also you know be able to 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 continue to work to go to the next level. And I think these players, once they get a taste of playing Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, the Slams, you know, uh, high-level pro tournaments, uh, you know, high-level junior tournaments, they get to a point where they don't want to get out of that environment. That comes that that is where they feel comfortable and they want to stay, and they and they don't want to go down. So it's they they understand their 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 intangibles of what they need to do to be able to sustain their level of play. And a lot of that comes with, with, uh, the, with the planning and paying attention to the details, not, not, uh, not, uh, and paint, not worrying too much about, about, uh, anything else really. Okay. So you started, look, you've had five players, top 10 in the world, probably 50 top 30 or 40 in the world. Now there there there've been four or five hundred kids you've coached probably, you know from the start, and now you're on the tour. Now you're traveling with some of the top ones. But what, what was what happened to some of those kids? They come out. You 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 made the comment the other day. You had a youngster come out and said, "I want to play pro tennis," and basically not not good enough, not hungry enough, not. What are kids doing there? What's I, mean, I guess I'm asking. Why do some just drop out? And what what's the what what sustained your ones who really made it? Well, the ones that have really that have went on to another level and continue to grow in their tennis and go to to another levels is that they've is that they've uh, they've had the, the the they they've created. Um, you know the, the the ability to keep moving forward and 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 know what they want to achieve and and keep training. The other players, some of the other players, what what happens is that they get, you know, they get comfortable uh, in in terms of of going to to college and 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 they get comfortable in knowing that if they work really hard they're still going to end up in the same place and I think that's a that's a problem uh, because you know you never know what your potential is until you continue to work uh, and try to and, and see where it ends I think a lot of players um, you know when they get to a certain age they get they, they get comfortable and they know if they do a lot of work or they do minimal work they're going to be at the same place, um, and I think that that's a problem in in, in America with uh, with the colleges is they they get to a certain place and and they and they end up going to uh, to school and not really wanting to continue to improve their tennis and they become content. Um, you know the players that that are ambitious and continue to, to to strive to get better and know what they have to do and understand. You know the price they have to pay. They, there's the ones that continue to 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 get better and, and play at a higher level. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing you bring up is really interesting. Is the fact, I mean, you bring in college there. Now, I've been a college coach. I'm excited about being a college coach. I love being a college coach, but I've got to say, the 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 motivation level of college players is about one half. I'm being fair. I'm not. I'm not going to say, oh, it's nothing like or something. It's about half as much as it once was when I was coaching back in the '70s, '80s, even early '90s. And um, I heard you one time, long time ago, say for a young a young lady, once you go to college, basically your career as the number of days is is over. And, and, and the proof's in the pudding. We haven't had other than a couple, two or three. We haven't had any players coming out of college and making top 100 in the WTA in 20 years. And on the men's side, in the mid 80s, coach, we had 30. No, I think the actually it was 41 at one time. 41, 
former USA-born college uh, youngsters who went to college, made top 100 in the world. Today we have two. That's unbelievable with our resources. That's unbelievable with our resources. Can you put a finger on what is happening, what has happened? Well, the tennis, you know, obviously has improved uh, a tremendous amount in in, in the level. Um, you know, there's more players playing tennis, and there's more players that are ranked in the world than before. Um, you know, but but it's the mentality for for in in the U.S. Um, is different than the rest of the world in terms of becoming a tennis player. Well, in, most in players, you already brought it up, most players go, they're in jumping off places, college. Right. And once they go to college, that's sort of it. Right. They're, and they uh, talk about that briefly. Well, they, the players get to, the players get to college, uh, or, you know, they get to a certain point and then, and, and they go to school and then, you know, they don't practice as much. Uh, the seasons are shortened. Um, you know, they have they have uh, other agendas. You know, with their education, their school, and and so there's a lot more going on. And their social lives. Yeah, there's a lot more going on versus just only thing you do is is eat, sleep, and drink tennis to and 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 train and travel to to try to make it on the tour. Um, you know, in, in, in the players, you know, around the world, that's what they do. They play tennis. And then when they're done with juniors, they go play pro tennis and they keep pushing and pushing, um, you know, where the U S you know, most of them go to college and, you know, it's, 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 in, in my opinion, it's, uh, it's a struggle. It's a struggle because you already said you don't get to train enough, you don't get to play enough. It's seasonal, and then the compromises that you make, whether it's it's not the look academics are one thing, but the other part of it, some people out there may listen. Well, the social life important, and uh, could I just jump in one more thing there? I I remember, um, golly, who was it uh, from Atlanta? I cannot remember, but he made the comment. If I had gone to college, I would play a match on the weekend. I could go out to my friends at night. Whether I won or lost, I was still playing the next day. He says, out here on the tour, if I don't do all the right things, I lose. And i got to wait around a week. i got to travel by myself somewhere else. I don't want to lose. In college, it doesn't matter sometimes whether you win or lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about that just a little bit? Well, I mean that's true. I mean you know, and in, in when you're out there playing on the tour, you know you it's your livelihood, and and the the, the work you do, you know, you, you you have to produce or you can't survive. Um, and you know, and, and it's very simple. In college, you don't produce. You you still play the next day, and you and you you still you still uh, get to do the things that um you know you're you're not it's you, you still get to do all the things that 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 you get to uh do on it every day nothing changes um on 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 the tour things change you know you you, you have to it's, it's more of a survival and and you have to do the work to improve and get better or you don't survive and and that's why it's you have to be able to have the stomach to travel the stomach to lose because you know you're going to lose a lot but you know you 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 have a, a a vision and a goal of what you're trying to achieve so you keep doing the work and and that's you know in in college it's some you know you're spinning your wheels but let's look at another something else that i've com- i compared often uh music would you say like playing on professional tours like trying to be a concert pianist or a concert violinist College is just like sort of you're in the band. You might be playing the trombone in the band or something like that. It's it's a participation activity more. That's that I have used that a lot. High school tennis really is an after school activity. College tennis is becoming less and less important as far as the results 
And as far as the emphasis on, you know, you know what the aggravating thing is. I'm gonna jump ahead here. Last week they had the NFL draft, and there were no less than about 250 college football players that were drafted or chosen or selected for the professional ranks, and that's every year for the professional ranks. In tennis, we might have 10 try, five make it for a little while, and two or three really go forward. Is that for lack of events that we have? Or, I mean, really, it's a worldwide sport. It's for lack of events or it's lack of a vision. I mean, college is not even the stepping stone for uh, high school is definitely not the stepping stone for tennis into college. College no longer is a stepping stone into professional ranks, would you say? Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, just because the scoring system is totally different as well. So that has, you know, the, how, how you com- compete in college and how you compete on the tour is totally different, even the scoring system. But the the thing with, 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 uh, with the other sports, you know, with the NFL draft and things like that, I mean, you're you're guaranteed money, you're guaranteed salary, you're guaranteed, you know, um, uh, you know, the money. And, and 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 in tennis, it's very difficult because you know they did a study, and I think it's I, it's somewhere between thirty-eight and forty-two thousand dollars a year to travel, if you want to do it right. So, you know if you want to do it absolutely right and, and that's, and you really focus on, on being a, a, a professional tennis player and doing everything, you know, have the ability to do everything as a, as a, as a professional tennis player, which is having the ability to travel, having the ability to play the tournaments, having the ability to get the proper training. Um, you know, there's a lot of players out there that, you know, go work for a couple months and two two or three months and then they go back out and play and it's a it's a problem because they it's not that they can't play at that level it's just they run into a, a financial strain and i see that a lot and it's it's uh it's difficult um you know if there would be some way where you know based on where you're ranked um you know in the world you can get that to make salary, yeah to make a sound and well american players that would be a good thing for American players. I mean, if USTA, you listen to me out there, you guys ought to put aside a couple million bucks and, and go ahead and pay the top American players a salary of some type to keep them alive out there and keep them on the tour. And uh, don't pick the winners and losers based on political reasons right now, would you say there's a lot of politics to who gets the money from the USTA, but if you did it on performance, that would be a great incentive to keep keeping people's careers alive. What do you say? I think it's an, I think it's important to to help uh, all the American tennis players uh, based on where they're ranked and to give them opportunities because there's a lot of players that 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 are out there playing in American tennis that are really really good. And 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 can play at a high level if they just have an opportunity because you never know, you know, uh, what can end up. And you know, it'd be great to be able to have these these players all have a chance and an opportunity to see where they can go. That's good stuff. Hey, uh, give us a minute. We're going to go to commercial. We'll be right back with Coach Frank Salazar, and this is Coach Chuck Creasy in American Tennis. Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. Thank you. 
change I felt, uh, you know, is going to help the U.S. Uh, in terms of of training. You know, I feel because in the other federations, uh, you know, they have their home base training, and that's where the pros train, and they all train together. And so I feel like in the past we were kind of uh, spread out, where now we're, you know, we're more together. So well, what would you say to the coach up in uh, New Jersey or Michigan or California that has a group of kids doing real well, and then they say, well, the USTA is stealing them now and taking them down there to train in Florida? What 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 would you do with, with that? I mean, you've been in that situation where USTA swoops in and takes your player, and then they take credit for the thing. Well, it's not uh, you no. Know, it's a totally different system and a totally different uh, uh, format and agenda. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's it's a resource uh, now where, you know, you, the player goes down there and the player has a, is is at a certain level, and they go down there and they and they they use the facility to train and you know the coaches are down there. To to support and help the players and the the relationship. Do, do players bring their own personal coaches? You can bring your own personal. Well, that's, coach down that's there. very good. That's yeah. very good. So they're so, not no. they're not jumping in and trying to take credit for your no. player. Not like at all. They've done. That's crazy the way they used to do that. That's well, that's unbelievable. That's well, so they, bad. Well, they went through the boarding system in in Boca, which was a tough situation. But the way it's structured now. You know, we have players that have go to junior camps down there in Orlando, and 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 all the personal coaches around the U.S. go there, and they are also participating with the camp. And it's basically just to bring in the the best players in that age group, and to have them train and play compete against got each it, other. And it. the other coaches come well, in. Good. The other coaches come come. The per- personal coaches come down there, and they also. They they engage and they support. No, they that's good. That's good. That's yeah. the way it should be done. So it, the, the other <clears throat> way was terrible. The other way uh, was about the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. The steel players coach it. You know, I mean that sure didn't work well on the home front. If you're in Michigan training a player and the USTA steals one of your players, <laughs> it's not like that builds loyalty or inspires somebody to want to support the USTA. Coach, we've got four or five minutes here. I. I want you to talk about anything else at the top of your head if it comes up, but I do want to ask you, we are at a place right now where we have just desecrated, I'm using the word desecrated, because to me, tennis is almost a sacred thing. It means so much to my life, so many to so many lives. And we, after 143 years, 143 years, the ITA is swept in, swept in and, and just changed the scoring system to this no-ad baloney. And I've been many times on the show, I've talked about the multiple reasons why it's so bad. But uh, I watched uh, your professional tournament with your young lady, and they had many, many war zones. I mean, the long games are part of, the, the learning. Our children are not even learning how to play board. Well, after college, after the college situation, the the thing is about they now are bleeding it into junior tennis, and junior tennis is being, you know what they're doing? They're selling it as, oh, let's play the college system. They're playing four-game sets. They're playing no-ad sets. They're playing tiebreakers for the third set. I mean, to me, it's a desecration. Well, the, the, well, the thing is, is that it's really simple. You know, the, the shortening the scoring system is going to allow uh, the player that's not supposed to win win a little bit more. Um, you know, the, randomness. Right, because the player, the better tennis player, the way the scoring system is now, the better tennis player is always going to win the match. The way the way the scoring if it goes back to the scoring system where they change the scoring system, the, the better players not always going to win, and that's going to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, well, it allows randomness. It right. makes you wonder why randomness is pursued. Is it because 
some college teams whose coaches are on these committees are trying to get their um, get some reward out of skill set more than hard work. But um, here's the, my, what, what I'm really, really afraid of. I'm really, really afraid that there is a master plan that now they'll go into the junior ranks and then into the college ranks. Five to six years from now, nobody will even question it being in the professional ranks. And folks, think about this. Five or six years from now, and they're going to experiment with it now. And then it becomes something that they bleed in to the professional ranks. And then the, co- the college players and the junior players will have played this for a while. I don't even see outrage in junior parents anymore for having to play that silly 10-point tiebreaker for the third set. Parents aren't even questioning. They should be questioning always because it promotes randomness and it takes away from the work ethic and it takes away from all of those skill sets that make our game so beautiful and so different than than uh, than others. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, when I <clears> – <throat> When I'm out there watching and they're playing tiebreakers for the third, I mean you you can you can be leading the whole match and and lose because you have to play a tiebreaker in the end. It's tough. And and the other thing is is the kids aren't getting down and dirty and and understanding what competition really is. It's a it's a it's a it's an easy way to to compete without really feeling any pain or having to deal with really well, you any mark, You mark a winner without competing is what right. you're doing. Right, you're marking a winner with uh, without competing, you know. And and folks, I, I'm gonna please. You've heard me so many times, but you must display your outrage. You must stand up, speak out, tell those tournament directors, look, we're not going to travel 300 miles or 500 miles, or get on a plane, or drive across town and pay a hundred and some bucks for my child to play a 10 point tiebreaker. You know, or, or to play these abbreviated formats. And they'll say, oh, it's the same for everybody. And, oh, by the way, the USTA is pushing this through. Baloney, we need some outrage. We need you to stand up. We need you to speak out. Stay professional. Address issues, not people. No one can find fault. But we need you as parents to, to daggone it, we've got to save our sport. Our, we are dead. Can you imagine if they went to NOAD scoring one day in five to seven years from now, do you really think uh, a tournament that's not getting filled, oh, well, let's go watch it now because they're playing NOAD scoring? You know how boring your 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 uh, player's match would have been yesterday had it been NOAD scoring? There would have been no rhyme or reason. She knows absolutely what happened, what the critical points were in the matches, what she has to take action with. Mm-hmm. But there's no teaching to be done with no ad because of the randomness. And, and uh, so enough of that. Uh, Coach, uh, got a few minutes here. Um, put yourself in the place of a parent whose child's been in the game three to four years. They're pretty serious about it. They say they want to go on and play college or pro tennis. What do you tell them? I mean, what do you tell them? I mean, as far as the work that's involved and, and things like that, give them the realistic viewpoint of what needs to happen. Well, first you gotta you have to have a plan. You gotta have a plan of where you want to end up, and you gotta work backwards. Um, the other thing is you have to your plan has to incorporate you know your 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 technical development, um, you know your fitness development you know what you're good at what you're not good at uh and then and then you have to you have to expose yourself you have to expose yourself in playing uh, many different tournaments at different levels um you know you have to uh have training blocks uh have competition blocks but the biggest thing is 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 branching out and seeing where your competition is around the world I feel it's important to to uh, to play, you know, different players around the world and compete uh, at different levels. And then also, you know, when you're coming up, play play some low-level pro tournaments in the qualifying and 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 uh, see if you can quali and 
work your way through there so you can get kind of get an idea of where you're at uh, in terms of your ability and what you need to work towards. Uh, but the biggest thing is you got to have kind of a master plan, um, and and then you know you tweak it along the way. But it's important that you you know uh, you stick to your plan, whatever it may be, um, you know, and then and then challenge yourself and get out there and compete, uh, you know, uh, against different competition uh, around the world and 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 know your competition. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times players, you know, stay in a bubble too much and then they never really see outside. And, you know, if you want to play pro tennis, you're playing the world. So you got to play outside your bubble. When you better be in love with hitting that fuzzy ball. If you're not in love with hitting that ball, and you already said, I, I think it's brilliant. You better have the stomach to train, the stomach to try, excuse me, stomach to lose, stomach to travel, but the love of the game to study it. Right. And, and, uh, and then there's still no guarantees. And no, it's a tough no one. guarantees. It's it's a tough one and, and folks we gotta go. I'm gonna uh hopefully have coach back in America of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do with a win or a loss. Coach Frank Salazar, we thank you very much for being on the program today. See you all next week on American Tennis. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual.